0: And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host. And today's episode is um, a listener email. He had sent it in to me in regards to one of my previous episodes, actually the only episode I had done in regards to um, my wife's paranoia, um, her subtype onto her BPD. And um, he's um, related with me 100% on... Um, my wife's paranoia and delusions, and wanted to know if I could do some more episodes on that. So, I'd like to read his email to you, and um, hopefully that'll spark some more interest in me doing some more episodes about paranoia and delusions. So, with that being said, um, thank you again for listening, and on with the episode. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Um, like I said, this email was sent to me from a listener on May 24th. And um, he um, was relating um, 100% to me about one of the episodes I had done about my wife's uh, subtype uh, with uh, on her BPD with paranoia and her delusions. And... Um, it's amazing with the emails I get on people who say, you know, like, wow, um, it sounded like I was, you know, uh, listening to myself talk or I, you're related with you hundred percent. And that was one of the premises that I wanted to, you know, connect with people, um, my listeners so that they could, you know, realize they're not the only person, you know, I used to think that too, that there was nobody out there that had, you know, specific, um, or identical problems that I did. it was amazing, you know, when I was reading stories going, wow, that's me. And it just made me feel, you know, a little less alone. So anyways, here's the email. Uh, Again, this is on May 24th. Um, There's no name in here, um, but I would leave that out as well. It says, hi, Brad. I'm sure you get a lot of email, um, but I finally felt compelled to reach out to you. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now after seeing it mentioned online a while back. I was super excited to have found it because you were the only person I heard talking about the psychosis. In parentheses, by the way, if you could make some episodes about this more in depth, that'd be great. Like maybe share a list of different delusions your wife has had aside from just the forest noises. Um, And what he's referring to in there was um, the, um, um, I don't know if it was in the specific episode I did about the psychosis or if it was mentioned in one of my episodes. Um, But just quickly on that, she had heard noises in the woods and assumed I had somebody out in the woods waiting for me. Um, But anyways, it says my girlfriend um, would get them as well. I have had at least 10 different quote unquote little girlfriends I was hiding from her, but it was not true. She and I ended things about seven months ago after I went on a trip to see my sister. She said I didn't text her back enough. Therefore, I was with another woman. I was at another woman's home cheating on her. She believed this and got into a relationship with someone else in response. Your most recent podcast episode really touched my heart. It was a longer one than, I'm sorry, it was a longer one where you had discussed on how you had experienced where you couldn't get aroused because she had accused you of things. And instead of just being able to say, I can understand how my words affect you, she was so convinced that it was just unlovable and you were disgusted. Man, that's heartbreaking because I have had the same experience. And once again, I felt so seen hearing you talk about the same thing. So thank you for sharing your life with us. But yeah, as you know, you're definitely not alone. My ex would break my items, throw things at me, bust holes in the wall, and then immediately try to sleep with me. And she'd go, you're mine forever, right? Say you love me. And I just couldn't. I was so terrified of what just happened, I never felt safe. And then she'd say that I must be gay or blanking other women because I wouldn't touch her. I'd say, no, not at all. Are you kidding me? You're who I want, but when you break things and behave like this, I just can't be intimate right now. She never believed me, and it's so sad. I'm a bit younger than you and your wife. I'm in my 30s now. And my ex was twenty-eight when we met. <coughs> Excuse me. She's not made she's not made it into her thirties as well, but I was never the type to date around. I knew what I wanted and I never wanted to settle. So when I found her, I never doubted it, never cheated, never effing wanted to. I just wanted her to get healthy. It's so heartbreaking that these people we love truly never find. Oh, I'm sorry. It's so heartbreaking that these people we love truly believe we find them disgusting or that we're cheating. It's painful, and I totally relate to your pain as well as the stories that you tell. When I found out my ex girlfriend got into a relationship behind my back, I collapsed and cried. I didn't get out of bed for days. And when I finally got. To my phone, she had blocked and deleted me for not responding to a text. I never heard from her again. She made me feel like I never existed and I never meant anything. But yet I still think about her and she was a big part of my life and I'll never forget her. But somehow I feel she has completely erased me from her mind. I miss her and sometimes... But... Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I miss her sometimes, but... Truly believe I was a lying cheat, and yet she was the one who lied and cheated on me. It's such a sad disorder. She was such a wonderful person. I wish I could have understood, I wish she could have understood who I truly was. Looking forward for more of your stories, as I earlier requested, please consider making an episode or a two specifically about the different delusions, in parentheses, One of the last times I was with my ex, I didn't say good morning to her when I woke up via text and that triggered her into an episode where she said I was hearing me and insisting that I was cheating and being sneaky even though I had a security camera in the house where she could have looked there to seem that I wasn't home. I had just went for a morning walk to clear my mind. So that's the end of the um, the email. But, you know, it's amazing how we can all relate. And I get so many emails with, you know, explanation points like, wow, you hit the nail on the head. You know, boy, I thought I was listening to myself talk and tell these stories. It almost gets us excited in a way because um, I know for the longest time, like, um, especially my mother, she was really close on my relationship, and she was like the only one I could talk to. And I would always start off by saying, "Ma, you're gonna think I'm crazy," but. And she used to tell me all the time, "You don't have to start off by saying that. I know you're not lying." But it was just the stories would sound so unbelievable, um, you know, because I would have times that, you know, um, three o'clock in the morning, I'd get woken up by a slap in the face and getting pushed on the floor, and saying if you're going to sit there and cheat with a little whores, you can do it somewhere else, not in my house. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I just felt you get into the bed. You must have come up from downstairs, and I can smell perfume on you. And it was totally untrue. Like, I have not been unfaithful to my wife since the day we got married. You know, when we were younger, we were together five years before, um, um, before we got married. And... um you know, we had breakups here and there. We we're both young. You know, we, she, I was eighteen. She was sixteen. Uh, she was already pregnant with somebody else's child. So I met her into, um, you know, pretty much a, a family package. Um, I had never really had a, a girlfriend before her. Um, I was a virgin. She was, you know, my first love. Um, everything I experienced, she was the first with everything. You know, somebody had sex with somebody that um, I loved. You know, she was my everything, and she still is to this day. Um, But, you know, those little times when we broke up when we were teenagers, you know, I ended up dating somebody else. She dated somebody else, but I always ended up going back to her because I loved her. It was, I just couldn't get away from her. And all the breakups we've had while we were married, I never even tried to date anybody else. You know, I had a couple, um, um, when we first got divorced, I had a couple lady friends, but, you know, when they wanted to go to the next level and have sex, I said, um, the first two, I said, I'm still married. Number one. And number two, I let them know I'm still in love with my wife. You know, I just want to have friends. Um, the third lady, I had just gotten divorced and, uh, she wanted to move again to the next level. And I said, I just, I'm not that type. I'm, I'm still in love with my wife. And, you know, she kept saying, well, yeah, I understand that, but you know, I'm not, the difference of making love and having sex. And I said, I'm not like that. I just, for me, maybe all men are different, but I like to make love. I'm, I'm not the type that wants to just have sex. And in, you know, the 20 years we've been married, I've had sex with one woman and that's my wife. Now, on the other hand, she's probably been with, seven or eight different guys since we've been married and many more of that before because with her BPD, she's going to be the center of attention. And that's how she uses her, you know, that's her power movement is putting moves on men and, you know, having sex with them. So that's part of her disorder. It's, you know, some people say, you know, she's a dirty whore. And, you know, you can claim it like that, but it's part of her disorder. So it's not an excuse, but that's how I've gotten by with it or accepted it, uh, because it's part of her disorder. So, you know, some people say I'm always making excuses for her. It's not that I'm making excuses for her. I'm making the excuses for her actions. I'm not saying they're right and I'm not minimizing them, but at least I can have answers and that's the best way that I can deal with it. And that's how I've been able to hang on to her and love her and accept her back. Um, because I, I see the good in her and the bad things she's done like they say good people do bad things and bad people do good things and you know the good in her does bad and the bad does good it's you know what I mean it's like the you know um, the exceptional seems normal and the normal seems exceptional type of scenario but I'm getting off course here but what I'm trying to say is um, you know I was always like afraid to tell anybody you know what our argument was about that you know she thought I had women sleeping in the basement and people were looking at me like what you know so I stopped you know telling people you know they, they would ask you know what you guys have a fight about why'd you have to move out well you know she thought I had five women living in the basement and they kind of look at me like come on you know you're gonna make stories up They either thought I was a liar for saying that like it sounds so un, you know um unbelievable and You know, then later on down the road, I remember um, a couple of friends I hadn't seen for years, and they said, you know, we used to think you were crazy by these stories, and, you know, now we hear from, like, your kids and stuff, like, that stuff really happened. Like, she really did smack you in the face at 3 in the morning throw you up because she thought she had women in the basement. And I'm like, you know, yeah, but everybody thought it was crazy. But anyways, um, you know, I've said before that, If it wasn't for the paranoia, if she was on the Zyprex or the antipsychotic, I think that would have definitely helped her with her perceptions of, you know, just because, you know, I go to the bathroom when she's sleeping and come back and lay down, you know, not realizing he just went up, got to the bathroom, came back and lay down. No, I just got into bed because I was downstairs um, having fun with a woman that I snuck into the house, Um, you know. So, you know, even though, like one of my episodes, it says, "You know, try to think rational try to rationalize for them, you know, you can't force somebody else's change of you know change the way they think or you know, but I tried to rationalize. And you know, I would tell my wife like not, and I would tell her ahead of time, like, um, here's an example. when I keep bringing this one up about the garage, we were sitting out there, we were having a good time. Um, it was a summer evening and she heard crunching out know, in the woods and she immediately flipped her chair up, threw her drink on the ground, broke the mar- margarita glass and she said, you know, you're f- effing disgusting. You know, what, you, can go, you know, don't do shit like this on my property. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I can hear a little whore out there tramping around in the woods. So we went to the house and said, listen, I'm not being sarcastic or anything. Not that I would do anything like that, but think of it this way. Why would I have somebody travel to your property? When I'm here spending time with you. Risk getting caught on your property. Is this woman gonna set out in the woods so I can find the moment where I can sneak off, have sex her in the woods, and then come back again without getting caught? That's a lot of planning, a lot of risk and number two, we don't live together. So would I not meet with this person before I came up here? Because that day it happened to be I had just gotten up there like four hours ahead of time. Or would I not look for a fight to leave, and uh, that you claim I do, and go meet up with her afterwards? Not only that, it's about 80 degrees. It's hot and humid. The mosquitoes are horrible. because a matter of fact, we were just talking about going back inside because the mosquitoes are unbelievable. And the bug spray and the bug light weren't doing anything. So I said, do you really think that I'm going to go in the woods, number one, that's like lowering yourself. I, I mean, unless you're, um, you know, a tree hugging type of person, to go in the woods, we're gonna lay on sticks and leaves, and who knows what kind of bugs are gonna crawl up our naked ass, and we're gonna get bitten by mosquitoes. How exciting is it to have sex while you have dirt, leaves, sticks all over you, getting eaten by mosquitoes? How enjoyable really is that? Number two, I've got a brand new car where I can roll the back windows down and there's a screen built into it so we can have fresh air and not get bit by mosquitoes. Do it in her car or do it at her place. There's so many other options besides in the dirty woods. I mean, seriously, Michelle, please think about that. And it didn't get through her right then and there because, you know, when she's on top, she's on top. But one time we were getting along and I said, can I bring something up with uh, our argument, please? But... Remember the night, you know, I said, we had the argument with the woods. I said, did you, like, you know, that night was special because, you know, we had planned on having margaritas and I was going to run um, a bath. And because I told her, I said, you know, tonight if you want, I said, I'll run you in a hot bath and I'll give you a massage because we were busting our ass all day. And um, um, since time I got up, there it was like three or four hours earlier. And, you know, her shoulders are sore. So I said, well, I'll run you a bath and I'll give you a nice body massage tonight. She's like, yeah, that actually sounds good. So um, I told her, I said, you know, that night got ruined. I was going to draw you a bath. And I said, I was going to throw in a little bit of romance in there and put some candles in there for you. And I said, you know, and I was supposed to give you a body massage. And, you know, then I'm sure we probably ended up making love. And that whole night got ruined and ended up, I ended up having to sleep in the car anyways. But did you see what I was saying about the options? Like, before you say stuff like that, try to think about it. Like, if that was you, if if you turn the tables, if that was you, would you go out in the woods with anybody, with me or a a man that you were in love with, even if it was a movie star, and lay down in the dirty leaves and sticks, not knowing what kind of bugs are going to crawl over you, why are you getting eaten by mosquitoes? Would you do that? And I think you know me well enough. I would not do that. Now, if I asked you, Michelle, would you go out in the woods with me and do that? I'm sure you'd be like, no. Well, I wouldn't either. Number then, you know I'm deathly afraid of spiders. I can't see in the dark. Can you try to put all those things together before you think next time? And we actually didn't get into a fight. And I told him, I said, I don't even want an answer. I'm just, this is just something for you to think about. Because I didn't want it to get into a discussion. And, you know, things about outside didn't get brought up again, because I think, you know, she she doesn't admit that she's wrong, so I think it pondered over her, and ever since then, there was never any issues about things getting brought up about outside. Now, stuff going on in the basement or inside, that's another story, but, you know, I tried pointing out those facts, um, that's what I suggested in in my other episodes, um, to like point out like they always say, when when a police investigation happens, you know, was who, their motive? And, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know what I mean? Like, there was options. Like, if you're going to have sex with somebody, look at all the options that, you know, could have been if it was going to happen. You know, why in the dark, in the woods, on a hot, sticky night? So, um, so I will further try to, you know, dig up some more of the stories that I have on um the delusions and the pain that it's caused and one time I really feel like balling my eyes out because um there's been many times in public like in stores where you know I'll be nice and let a lady go in front of you know if we're in line like at Walmart and I've got a whole carriage full of stuff and I see she's got a couple of items I'll be like you know go ahead ma'am but all of a sudden the reason I'm letting her go ahead is because all of a sudden we get outside well, you had to let your girlfriend go in front of us to be nice to her and this and that. And I said, yeah, I know by everybody in the store, my girlfriend just happens to be the one behind us. And I want her to go in front of us. She's like, yeah, you wanted to get go in front of us so she can go ahead, get in her car, follow us, you know, so it'd be all these little situations in public. And one time um, we were in uh, like a Dollar General store and we came around a corner and a guy bumped into her back and said, "I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bump." And how did he say it? Um, oh, I. You almost. I almost made you hit your head. I, oh no, that's what it was. When he bumped into her, she almost smashed her face on the side of the thing. And he goes, "Did you hit your face on that?" And she said, "No." And he goes, "Well, I wouldn't want you to mess up that pretty face of yours." And it didn't bother me, but I know if the tables were turned, it would have been. You know, if I said that to a woman or if she had said that to me. So I took advantage of the moment, and I said, oh, are you effing that guy? Are you having an affair with him? So I kind of did to her what she does to me, but she doesn't do it on purpose. And what really made me upset was when we went out to the car and I was still playing along with it, you know, like I was really mad, but I wasn't. I was just doing like what she does to me. And we started to get home, and I could hear her whimper, and I looked over, and I said, what's wrong? And she's like, how could you think something like that about me? And I said, well, you do that to me. And she goes, but I don't mean to. And when she said that, it occurred to me, she really doesn't mean to do that. And I felt like such an asshole. (laughs) Because she really started crying. And she's like, I don't mean to act like that. And I apologized to Arthur And I said, I really didn't mean that. I was just trying to show you how I feel. And she said, but I can't see it like that. Like, I don't understand how you feel. But I understand how you just made me feel. And the way I took it was you making fun of me for something I can't control. And I said, you know what? You're right. You don't understand it. And it is true. She didn't take that as a lesson learned. She just took it as I was making fun of her. And still to this day, it kills me because I should have done that to her. Because it wasn't helping at all. And I knew it was wrong. And I carried it on as we were driving. I kept hitting my steering wheel and I kept saying dirty poor and stuff like that. Even all the way home, she's like, it wasn't, I know you were trying to make me learn a lesson, but I don't understand I'm doing it when I'm doing it. So all I took it is that you were making fun of me and it killed me. And I hugged her and I apologized I said, I'm so sorry. I did not mean that, please. And she cried all day. And I still made the mistake once. And I said, but do you see how you're crying all day about this? I'll do that too when you attack me. I'll cry all day too. And she said, but I still don't see it like that. All I take it right now is that you are making fun of me. I don't know how to process it, that you would teaching me a lesson. She said, please just don't ever do that to me again. And I could have said, well, then please don't you do it again. But it would have gotten us nowhere because she already admitted to me she couldn't see that and process it, that it was a lesson learned. She could only see it. As I was making fun of her and she told me she said I tried to feel like how you feel and what I go through when I go through those episodes but I don't do it on purpose so I don't have that feeling of remorse or you're teaching me a lesson and I told her I said I promise I swear to you I'll never do that to you again I really am sorry and I apologized up and down I think towards the latter part of the day I probably cried more about it than she did And, um, you know, even after that, um, I made one comment once. She accused me of something and I said, this reminds me of that day you begged me not to tease you, but here you are doing it again. And I quickly stopped myself and I said, you know what? You can carry on with your conversation. I apologize for saying that because you told me that day you couldn't understand that it was a lesson learned. I was only making fun of you. So I shouldn't even have just made that comment. And she absorbed it, paused, and then continued on, you know, with her accusations. But that's how I left it. And that's how bad this disorder is. Because even though I brought up about that day, they still don't see it like that. When they're in that mode, they're right, and that's the way it is. And, um, but it really killed me because that's when I really started learning about her disorder, and I should have known. And that's why the more I've learned about BPD, there's so many things that I didn't do. The way I reacted, or the way I took things, processed things, reacted. Um, not that it's... I want to say not that it's done me any good because she hasn't talked to me in two months, but to me, inside, it makes me cry and hurt less knowing that I didn't throw it in her face and make her sound like she was doing it on purpose. And that's why I always say... Learn as much as you can about them and understand them as much as you can and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to understand themselves and they find it hard, sometimes even harder to love themselves. I think a lot of them have an internal hate, like, you know, why do I act this way? And they're confused because my wife said it to me before. She's like, I don't know why I act this way. And she does say remorse, like, I'm sorry for the way I treat you, and how can you love me? You know, I don't even love myself, or how can you love me? I'm so mean to you. And I said, you know what? When I looked you in the eyes, and under the God is my witness, and when I said for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, that sickness didn't mean physical. It also mean mental. And the better, for worse, all those vows combined, It's why I love you, and why I won't give up on you, and I never will, and I remind her all the time, you divorced me, I didn't divorce you, and you're going to have to do a hell of a lot more than what you have to do to get rid of me, and she really will, and it's not like I act like a stalker or something, but I want her to know that no matter what, she can ignore me for two months and say all kinds of things behind my back, say all things to me. But tomorrow, if she needed $1,000 to have her electric turned on or needed a place to stay, I'd be right there for her because I consider myself still married to her, and she's still my responsibility, and I stood up, and I swore that I would protect her and comfort her and support her any way I could, mentally, monetary-wise, anything. She's my wife. I married her. I love her. I love her more than the air that I breathe. So that's just the way that is, but anyway, so that's the end of this episode, and I'll and like I always say, if you have somebody in your life with BPD, understand them as much as you can, and love them even more because they find it so hard to understand themselves, and even harder sometimes to love themselves. That being said, happy relationship and happy life. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again, and have a happy life.